Hello and welcome to episode 948 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, July 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. How are you this morning, sir? It's draft season, buddy. <laughs> Football draft is what I thought you meant. Nope. No, no, baseball drafts. What do you got going on? Uh, I found out this morning that NFBC is running uh, $50 best ball leagues. And you probably joined nine of them. Yeah, yeah. This is um, now over 30 leagues for the season. So this, this is great. Uh, but it's best ball, so they don't really count, right? It's true. Uh, well, I mean, to a degree, like, you're 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 being a little t- tongue-in-cheek, but you're right. And it's about, if you're going to have a ton of leagues, it's about, like, what's the management workload for what, for waiver wire and everything, right, with Fab. So you said, you know, you, you were talking about these offline to me a little bit. And these are going to be a big, bigger part of your arsenal next year for games because you draft and then the computer manages for you. It's best mm-hmm. ball, so they put in all the best players and you just see what's what. Yeah, I definitely am thinking about how I'm going to tweak things next year. Uh, I like doing lots of drafts. I feel like they keep me up to date on market trends and... Uh, and make you know force me to do like digging in on players maybe I wouldn't necessarily dig in on uh, throughout the kind of draft season. Uh, but man, managing twenty nine teams is a nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think I definitely will be incorporating more best ball next year uh, and uh, and trying out different formats that we've been talking about in the Discord, like doing a uh, uh, a Patreon guillotine league yes like so that would be a lot of fun um i also would love to actually add a dynasty league so maybe I start one of those in the patreon and the discord so I think there'd be some interest for that mm-hmm. yes so yeah i mean just uh definitely want to like this is the time of year where i can really start looking okay we're almost we're pretty much halfway through the season right so i can really mm-hmm. start looking and going okay what like what do i want to cut out next year and what do i want to keep in yeah, and I, I like where you're at about uh, getting some different formats going too, because that's always fun to have the different formats that you're playing to kind of keep things fresh. Because one one thing you want to avoid is basically draft, you know, playing a ton of leagues that are all the same, and then you draft everybody and you're rooting for everything always. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's like helping you, and you're like, come on, <laughs> you know, like that. You don't really want to be in that situation, I don't think. So um, I, I think mixing in some different leagues could be a lot of fun. It changes player values. All of a sudden, you're taking a guy, you know, eight rounds higher because this league type changes him. So I, I think that's the way to go if you're going to have a deep league um, uh, roster there. And you said you're at 29 before these best balls. Yeah, yeah, 29 uh, before adding. I mean, and I'm actually probably over 29. I'm I'm probably not including some best balls. I did. Um, but like I said, they don't they don't count. So I'm actually still just at twenty nine. True, true. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they don't count in terms of management, though. So I totally, I and totally people, don't tag my wife. Don't don't tag my wife and be <laughs> like, oh, how many more drafts are you gonna do? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna plead ignorance. I'm gonna be like, I don't know what you're talking about. What well, what drafts could there be? It's the middle of the yeah, season. There's, it's, there's no it's drafts. July. I mean, football drafts. I might do a few football drafts this year. How many football drafts do you do? I think my wife's doing more than me. I, 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 I haven't, you know, I'm not covering football this year again. 
I mm-hmm. just decided I'm going to focus solely on baseball uh, for this season, and then maybe I'll it. maybe I'll cover it again at some point. But uh, I, I just baseball takes so much for me that I'm I'm not going to spread myself too thin with football. So I'll probably do like five or six leagues this year. Nothing, nothing okay. too crazy. I've done yeah. like thirty and forty before. So, pardon? Yeah, football. Football is easy, man. Football. You set in your lineup. You know. Twice a week. I mean, three times a week now with the Thursday games, right? So sure. it's like, you know, and it's it's one fab run. It, it's football super easy to do 30, 40 leagues. Oh, that's insane, though. 40. Yeah, it's it, too easy. You're, you're insane. You're <laughs> insane. Well, let's talk some baseball here. It's kind of light on the news. we got a handful of things to cover, but they won't take too long because there wasn't uh, a lot of major injury news. Uh, this one stings me, though. This happened a couple days ago. Jose Arquiti left his start early and then immediately hit the IL with what's just being called shoulder discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, his velocity was way down in the second inning, and then, boom, he was out. He's already missed some time earlier this year. I'm concerned. There's no details or anything right now. No, there was a report. Uh, had an MRI. Oh. Uh, tightness and inflammation. No on, sports edge. Get your stuff updated yeah no there's um the report was yeah there's just tightness and inflammation and uh uh so they're they're not expecting him to be out in an extended period of time it is concerning that it keeps popping up like that's a concern uh because these things often lead to other issues uh or worsening issues over time so and with the astros having you know prior to putting him on the aisle having a six-man rotation like, they don't necessarily need to rush him back. Oh, dude. Yeah, they still have six guys. Yeah, because even with him going Christian down. Javier into the back into the rotation yeah, if they want to. And they don't even have to do that. They go Grinky, Garcia, Valdez, McCullers, Odorizzi if they want. Mm-hmm. And they got Javier still sitting there. So they're primed. Um, and, man, I usually check at Sports Edge and Rotowire for things. But when. One says there's like no info. I'm like, okay, well, I doubt the other magically got info. But yeah, Rotowire has it. Exactly what you uh, told me about there with Argeti. That's why Rotowire rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that it's good that they're not totally freaking out about it. But uh, I have all my uh, NFBC leagues like loaded into Rotowire. So I'm on his player profile page and it just says Spore all across the top <laughs> with like every league I'm in. Uh, listing that I have for Katie. And, and he, I mean, he was somebody I just, I, I love this year. So I was picking him up everywhere, which I don't regret. But uh, this, this health thing, this is, this is worrisome. I hope it's not lengthy. I imagine it'll be through the All Star break, though, at this point, just because why not? You know, because the 10 days will take him to July 10th. Do you think they would really push him before that? Hmm. No, my guess is they're sitting them out through the All Star break. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more of this kind of stuff, right? We're seeing guys, you mean guys who get hurt now and then just go through the All Star break, even if they could come back, and guys who are just going to get hurt, like you know, or oh, yeah, 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 or yeah, like you know, shoulder fatigue, dead arms. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of these uh, fatigue based injuries. Yeah, because I mean, we're seeing guys now. Go, you know, get to or go over uh, where they were last season, mm-hmm. um, and so I think we're going to start seeing uh, seeing a lot more of these. So just be kind of very vigilant on uh, 
you know, maybe even stacking an extra pitcher on your roster might be call. prudent in case one of the big names go down. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good call. There. I mean, we've obviously already seen tons of injuries this year, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if more are in the offing. But we do have some injury return news, and that'll move us to our next piece of information. Harrison Bader coming back uh, for this Coors series here. Nice place to land. His ribs were the big injury, so hopefully he's he's good from that because any residual there, you would think he'd, he'd kind of tone down on the base pass. So we have to assume that he's healthy if he's coming back. I think we'll get an idea if he's running, if the ribs are, are fully back, or if he's just kind of okay. You know, a fractured rib cage is a big deal. Mm-hmm. How long was he out? He started his rehab. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, he hit the uh, IL on May 25th. It so, looks like he only did one rehab game. Yeah, he. it was very – whoa. Yeah, this is quick. Yeah. That, I mean, quick. that's a little weird. That you'd only have your guy go through one uh, rehab game, um, but he was good. Yeah. Even at the beginning of it, though, even at the beginning of this injury, uh, Schilt said he wasn't expecting him to be out much longer than the ten days. So maybe they just got him a game to get going, and now off. To and Colorado. I mean, maybe it, you know, if it's not like a a muscle or tendon type injury, you're not necessarily as worried about re-injury, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that, I guess, makes a little bit more sense. Not like an oblique injury where you're worried that, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to strain that oblique again. This was a, you know, broken bone. If the bone is fixed, the bone is fixed, I guess. Uh, and because it's not like a joint, it doesn't necessarily need like, you know, strength training or anything or, or getting yeah. back in the swing of things. Uh, yeah. I mean, he has, he's an interesting player. Like he, I, I don't think he's ever really going to hit for much average. Uh, but his defense keeps him in the games. And oh yeah, there's no doubt Harrison Bader's going to play. You know he was he was putting up some fantasy numbers though, four homers and three steals in 22 games. Came with a 219 average. To, to your point about Bader's average, but how fantasy, fantasy viable is he if he's putting up power and speed? I mean, I think he has to be fantasy viable, especially with kind of the league batting league batting average around 235. 211 doesn't hurt you in the same way 211 might have hurt you, or 219 doesn't hurt you in the same way it would have hurt you a few years ago, I think. Uh, So, especially, like, I don't expect him hit for a ton of power, but he is, you know, fairly fast. And if he can just not be a zero with the bat and steal your bases, like, I think that is kind of a big deal um, in fantasy, especially playing every day question is like where does he hit in this lineup you know be at the bottom he but he started before he got hurt he started hitting fifth and six more oh okay so you know of you know his last six games won't be the top though so it'll be somewhere in that in that range i mean if he can if he can he he walks i mean he was walking at a 10 percent rate this year Mm -hmm. um and if he can just pull up that batting average to 240 yeah, I mean, with a his, 10% his, rate, like that would be you Bader's know, good career, Here's the thing. Bader's career is 233 mm-hmm. uh, batting average. He's at 219 this year, but with a 211 BABIP and a 16% strikeout rate, which is cut in half from last year. I know that's 50 games, 
but uh, so it's 32% last year, but then 29, 29 the last two years. So it's a massive upgrade here. If he hangs on to some of these strikeout gains, there's batting average upside here for Bader. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm picking him up in a lot of formats right now. Uh, 12s and 15s for sure. If there's a five outfielder, 10 teamer, I might consider putting him on the bench at least here. Cause if, if this batting average takes off, Mm-hmm. With the power and speed, and he's hitting somewhere in like the 250s, um, he could be a huge asset. So keep an eye on Bader here. And uh, if he has a big series in Colorado, obviously the the Fab price is going to go up. But if you're in a league where you can pick up ahead of time, you might you might go ahead and jump that right now, and then uh, and then you have Bader before any sort of big surge happens. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I'm I'd be interested to see how widely available he is. Like, is he really available in 15s? I guess. I mean, let's see. In, Some, T- in TGFBI, he's 39%. Yeah, he's he's in my TGFBI. He's in my OC's TGFBI, but he's not available in my main. So I'm going to see how, how many 15 mains uh, Bader is available in. But you know 12s and below, he's going to be pretty widely he's, available. He's only available in 12% of main events. That makes sense. Um, I understand why people are stashing that. They see the same thing with the potential batting average upside. Is either of your mains one of them? Or one uh, of the few that I, he's I, available in? I don't believe so. Yeah. But it's still opportunity there. Like you said, TGFBI, very available. 12s available. And I think I think Bader is viable in 12s right now for sure. Yeah, I, th- I agree. All right. Let's talk about Chris Sale. He's uh, He's nearing a rehab. And listen, you know how I feel about TJ returners. I don't draft them. No shot. I'm not holding on. Doesn't mean I will completely ignore them in a situation if they are popping up on the waiver wire and available closer to their return. But I'm I'm never going to be the one drafting and trying to uh, hold these guys until this time of year when they're going to start coming back. Because there's all there's not always setbacks, but there's regularly setbacks and things like that. Um, but he's going to face live hitters. Through a simulated inning on Wednesday at Fenway, like I said, could be out on a rehab soon. I think that would put him around late July, early August, uh, which is still a long way. I mean, it's July first, mm-hmm. so I'm still like I, I'm. I don't know how available he is. I imagine not very, but I'm still not really going out and getting Chris Sale. But but if you've got him, what, where do you stand right now with with Chris Sale? I mean, if you've got him, you just. <laughs> You can't, tight, can't quit but, now. I mean, like, how excited, like, what are your expectations of him? That's a better question because you're right. If you've got him at this point, if you cut now, then I mean, it'd be kind of foolish uh, because you waited all this time. And then, oh, you know what? He wasn't available in my main because he was already murked. So he's going to be on the um, – he's going to be in the, the waiver wire when he comes back. That'll be interesting. Interesting. I'm still not going to bid for him. But anyway, what are your expectations from Sale when he let's let's say let's say he gets back right around trade deadline week, some somewhere July 24th or later? Um, I mean, this is such a tough question. I mean, these these guys who come back from Tommy John uh, have such a wide range of outcomes. Um, sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're not very good. Uh. You know, often they struggle with command and control. So, you know, I would expect his walk rate to not be Chris Sale-esque. I'm sure the strikeouts will be there, uh, but homers could be an issue. Um, I'm 
I would not be like I think if, if he's available like widely available or just available in your league, I guess you take the shot uh that he is Chris Sale, but I also you know, I think a lot of it'll depend on where the Red Sox are in that division. Um when when they get there. Right now they're 3 games up and they're looking like a team that could be ready to compete this year, which is crazy to me. Um considering what that rotation is and was at the beginning of the season. So my my biggest uh my biggest concern and kind of question mark is how deep are they going to let him go into games? Yeah, for sure. Like how, what's the build up? Uh you make a great point about like their rotation can use it. Like mm-hmm. Richards yeah, J- Jason's highlighted it cannot throw his breaking ball since the ban of of any sort of substance. Um, Nick Pavetta has has made his descent back to earth. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez never really got off the ground. So you're looking at like Nathan Ivaldi and Martin Perez. Like they desperately need him. So I think they're going to give him all he can handle. But you have to balance being smart with your with your team needs, right? So I don't know, man. They, they, these TJ returners are just so hard, and that's why I usually just punt because I don't really see the value. And here's the real danger of it. And and you can kind of go through this, and I, I need to do a more like thorough study because right now it's mostly anecdotal. But when they come back, it seems like these TJ returners can put together like three, four good starts at a time. But their bad, their off days, which can come sporadically, are disastrous, where they end up giving six earned runs and they ruin the previous three starts. You know, so it's that kind of deal too. And you never know when it's going to come because there's no rhyme or reason to when the arm is going to be a little bit rusty that day. And I realize that, you know, most guys have dud starts, but with TJ returners, man, I I just don't mess with it. I, I really don't. I just think it's too much headache. There's too much uncertainty. And as much as I like Chris Sale, you, you won't find me messing with it this year. Yeah. I mean, what we have projected for him over at Fangraphs is 61 innings. Okay. Now, that's you know, not bad. It's 61 good innings. Uh, you know, it's a 107 whip, a, a 325 ERA. Uh, you know, man, there's no shot he goes for a 325. I mean, I shouldn't say no shot. I just, that seems. That's that. I mean, that's not quite putting him back to Chris Sale, but that's like mm-hmm. really, really good. Yeah, and then eight, eighty strikeouts in those sixty-one innings. That'd be super valuable. Um, but I mean, is it though? I mean, it, it's valuable if he actually gets it right, because that's well, a sure. median projection. Um, and like if you look at, you know, for instance, like I'm looking at. Like the bat X, or sorry, the bat, um, because there's no bat X for pitchers, uh, for rest of season and kind of run it through the auction calculator. It doesn't look like he's a top 100 pitcher. Now that includes relievers. How many innings are those guys getting? They're getting anywhere from, yeah, about about 70 to, you know, 65 to 80. Okay, so even his 60 innings is not that far because I thought maybe it was going to be that split for sale. Wow, okay, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, I know, you know, there's a lot of good pitching out there because the the offense is, is lower, but, well, not lately, of course. 
ah, man, I still like, obviously that would be valuable if he was able to do that. But the big if for Chris Sale is, can he actually do that? I don't know. Like I said, it's going to be a no for me. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to correct myself. They have him. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. He's uh, 15th among starters. Among starters. Yeah. I just looked at the bat rest of the season on the auction calculator. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've got it sorted by the point system for the best ball. Oh, okay. That That's the problem. Yeah. That, that, that'll do it. Because um, the yes. innings are so valuable in a format like that. I just I cannot see him being the fifteenth best starter. Yeah, I, I can't either. That's so that's so aggressive. Like, and I think that pretty much gives him no blow up starts either. Which I I don't know. I mean, it, listen, I'm not gonna wash my hands of it completely. I'm gonna keep an eye on this rehab, see what's going on with Chris Sale because, like I said, he will come up in my main, and I'd be foolish to just completely ignore a potential. Uh, potential gem of somebody who has been so good, but don't forget the last time we saw him, he's putting up a 440 ERA in 147 innings with a home run issue. Yeah, you know. Now I'm not saying that that's who he is now, but he's also going to be age 32. So just keep that in mind with Chris Sale. Lots to consider, and he's going to be available in a lot of leagues. He's stashed in many others, and so we'll see. Uh, Tony Santian is going to be sent back to AAA for. Cincinnati, they said that they would bring him back to pitch out of the bullpen at some point. So kind of an innings management situation. You can move on from him in any leagues where you had him. I don't – did they get somebody back? Who are they filling that spot with, I guess, is my question. Um, Let me should, look. I, I, mean, I should, have, should have done that research first. Pardon me. Like uh, Gray's not coming back yet, is he, from the groin? Yeah, he he's going to come back uh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. There you go. Re- slated to rejoin this weekend. Boom. So Sonny Gray back, Santiana out, and um, that bullpen needs help. So like it's not. They a maybe bad should have just put him into the bullpen, like yeah, you know, and sent somebody else out. But they brought up Ashton Goudeau, uh, who is a, a reliever, and I guess they'll keep Santiana probably starting for a little bit in the minors and then back up for their bullpen. So I mean, you can this move on from bullpen is got like names that I, I just don't know. Oh like, yeah, we could do congressman or yeah. I mean, okay, or I'm reliever. Gonna give you three names, all right? Okay. Uh, let's go with uh, Art Warren, Gary okay. Palmer, and Ryan Hendricks. Okay, no Hendricks is a pitcher. Art Warren is like an eighty-four-year-old congressman from the Northeast. He gotta be. There you know Art Warren pitching in baseball. Incorrect. Gary... Art Warren oh, I is. I don't know who Gary Palmer is, though, either. <laughs> Gary Palmer is uh, Alabama's uh, representative from the 6th District. Oh, yeah, the good old 6th District. I love that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's on the Climate Crisis and Energy and Commerce Committees. And he's been doing some decent. I have no idea what's going <laughs> on with Gary Palmer. I don't want to say anything. People are like, no, he's actually terrible. He's killing people. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's where Santiana is getting Gray back. Are you gonna put Gray right into your rotation? Yeah, I mean, I think you you probably yeah. should. Yeah, you trust that he's healthy, and you know that's a guy you bought on on a mm-hmm. big price with a big track record. I know he hasn't been, uh, you know, elite this year with a one thirty WHIP being the big issue, but his strikeouts and ERA are still there. I think you got to put Gray right back in. Uh, Michael Kopech returns from his hamstring injury, but he's gonna be back to the bullpen. Is there is there value? 
both with like the bullpen innings that he can get and then stash value for potential starting in shallower leagues, or is he just a deep, like a 12 plus sort of guy? I think uh, in 12s. I, th- I think I think he's rosterable in all formats, just because of the upside. Yeah, because of the upside, and because I mean, even if he's in the bullpen, he's going to be doing bulk innings, bulk innings, and leveraged ones. Meaning yeah. he could snake wins. He could yeah. be one of those guys we talked about the other day. The call, all those call like Colin McHugh. I mean, you know, yeah. he's, his strikeout rate is insane. He's doing a good job at keeping the ball in the yard, you know, and keeping people off the. Off, off the base pass via uh, free pass. So yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he needs to be rostered in every format, not just on upside alone, but what he can give you on a kind of a start or a appearance to appearance basis. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I definitely think Michael Kopech is somebody to go out and pick up. And I don't think it's out of bounds that at some point in the summer he could join the rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you kind of keep an eye on what Dylan Cease is doing, his season numbers are still very good. But he's been struggling a little bit of of late. Uh, actually, never mind. He's moved out. Uh, that, it was a little bit earlier in the month. He had a couple of six. He, and it was it was like bad luck type stuff. Like okay, yeah, there, I, there was I, kind I of some scariness to his start against Pittsburgh. He loaded the bases, I think, twice. Uh, oh wow! And got out of it. Like and so like uh, the numbers looked a lot better than the probably it probably should have ended up. But that's uh, the you know it's the pirates. Yeah. So, but uh, he's been pretty good, um, in spite of you know a couple rough outings. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Um. So yeah, Kopech probably gonna probably gonna be well. well another thing about Cease though, how many innings are they gonna give him? So well, Kopech same, same maybe, with Carlos Rodon. I mean, yeah, that's you, true. You've got to oh, think man, with it's his so hard to take him out though. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you could see a six man rotation. I think you could that's see fair. guys getting skipped. Um, just to give them, you know, uh, you know, cause I mean, this is a team that wants to have these guys available in October. Exactly. Exactly. So. And Kopech has three starts this year. So it's not like they haven't already given him some starts. And so I really think that, uh, that, that just furthers your point about putting Kopech on a team everywhere. He's not available in any of my NFBC stuff, uh, but it should be available in some shower leagues. I say, go get him. Mm-hmm. I agree. And this is not an injury or, or transaction, but Trey Turner, best day ever, dude. Happy birthday. <laughs> My guy went off. Your guy went off. I know you got him yep. in tons of your leagues. He was kind of your go-to target that you were setting your uh, KDS around. My man, again, on his birthday, which is very cool, goes cycle and two steals. What a disgusting day. Four for four. Obviously, you know, got the homer mixed in to get the cycle and then the two steals. That's just insane, dude. And he was great before. I mean, he's having a brilliant season, giving you everything you want. He now leads the National League in stolen bases with 18, has 14 homers, 50 runs, and 38 ribbies. I mean, you can just gush about your dude for a minute because there's not really anything to add except he's been amazing. And are you going to try to get him in your best ball? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if he's there, I'm picking at eight. Um, and I think right now we're at pick five. So if he's there at eight, he's still available right now. Uh, he will be on, on my team. I feel like he does this every year on his birthday. He does have three cycles. Um, like three career cycles. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. The most in, uh, most in Nat's history. 
No, Nats Expos. Yeah, that's uh, well, Expos. That's uh, that's even more. I'm looking to see what he did on his birthday last year. Uh, he didn't play. No, he went. He went uh, one or no. I'm looking at 2019. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, they weren't playing June 30th. Last uh, year, he went it. one for five uh with a stolen base on his birthday last year so maybe maybe he didn't maybe he doesn't usually do this on his birthday uh on his birthday in 2018 he went one for four with a stolen base he likes to steal bases he likes to steal on his birthday yeah Yeah. that's he's like and then in 2016 he didn't play on his birthday he was injured yeah Um, in 2017 on it oh no 2017 he was injured on his birthday in 2017 and well in 2016 yeah, so. they might not have had a game in 2017. Well, he was—he was. I mean, he was on the. Oh, IL. he was injured. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I see that. It, it, he actually got hurt like right before his birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the day before. He played June 29th. He was like, "Hey, my then, birthday's coming up, guys. I need some time off. I'm out. Yeah. I got a big. I got a big trip planned. We're going to Cabo. It's going to be dope. But anyway, yeah, Trey Turner's been amazing. I started looking up some crazy days just to see like what some of the best days were. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to figure out like what's the best fantasy day. Uh, what was the one I told you about? Kenny, Kenny Lofton, Lofton had, one was insane. He had one homer and four steals, mm-hmm. but like five hits as well. Like he had some insane days. And yeah, I'm trying to, I don't know exactly what would be the, the best day, but uh, there's definitely some good ones out there. You'd have to do that, like a points league look and, and that's, that's the only, true. You can't, that's I mean, Roto's too difficult, especially because I mean, back then there was just a ton more stolen bases. You had guys like Chone Figgins stealing like, 50 oh 60 bags he, he was bananas but yeah kenny lofton's five steal one homer day with uh with four hits is pretty darn good yeah it's pretty and they barely won that game by the way it was it was a 12 11 <laughs> win over baltimore so they needed every ounce of his greatness and they needed jim tomey's three for five or three for six excuse me with five ribbies and no homers there. That, Kenny Lofton was their only homer in a 12-run barrage that included having uh, Jim Tomei, uh, Manny Ramirez, Alomar, Travis Fryman. It's not quite their peak Cleveland Indians team, but that's still a damn good team to only hit one homer and How still put up. How did that team never win a World Series? They got beat by the Marlins, man. That sucks. That sucks that they, they were so good. By the way, their one of their key pieces was on the other team in that game. Uh, Albert Bell was on Baltimore. And he went two for three with three runs scored. So anyway, that's that you look at a historical game for no reason. Let's put some guys in focus. Let's talk about Luis Urias. Remember Luis Urias back when he was with San Diego? And uh, saw him at the Fall League. Somebody I really liked and, and thought, hey, it's got to keep an eye on. Put a little star next to him. Those ones can be tough though when when you like somebody, but then their their first few stints in the majors just don't go that well. They kind of slip down the radar a little bit, and that's what happened with me and Arias because through 422 plate appearances spread out over three seasons, it was just very underwhelming. 226, 315, 320. I, wa- I wasn't suggesting that like he's the worst, can't be good. Could have definitely considered him as somebody like a you know late round pick to stick with, but I did not. And now this year he has 10 homers, three steals with a 247, 338, 433. He's kind of having a breakout party at age 24. So what's up with Luis Urias? And do you believe in, in this uh, hot run we're seeing from him this year? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it's even a hot run from this year. It, it's more of a hot run from this month. Is it? Well, yeah, a hot run recently, but this would be his best season by far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think part of it is he's getting a chance to play. 
Yeah. Uh, like you mean, Bailey. he just isn't, you know, he, when he was at San Diego, he just wasn't getting the opportunities, uh, to play every day because that, you know, we look at San Diego's roster, like it's, it's stacked. Um, and so I think he started to get a little bit of a taste of it last year. Uh, but I think, you know, you can chalk 2020 up to kind of being a disjointed shortened season, uh, never really got going. Uh, he's really barreling the ball up this year. I mean, he's got a 9.7% uh, uh, barrel percentage. Uh, max exit velocity is the greatest his career, and it's not even close, 111 and a half. Um, I think he is decided to try to uh, hit for a little bit more power, so he's, he's willing to give up some of the contact uh, in order to get there. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that's a little bit why, because I mean, when he was coming up, he was this guy that was like, oh, he, he's going to hit for average. But the question is, like, how much power is there going to yeah. be power? Uh, one, one of the one of the comps that the, the, who we kind of cut a figure of to me when I saw him at that fall league was uh, Jose Ramirez. And I wondered if he'd have a similar trajectory where he kind of started out as like a, you know, average first guy with with some speed and a little bit of pop not necessarily develop into one of the preeminent players in the league, but like early career Jose Ramirez. Like you said now, though, he's, he's turning to power. In fact, this month has really been when he's popping off. If you were cutting Luis Urias in June or in May, I wouldn't blame you. 221, 320, 379, he wasn't doing a whole lot. But this month is when he's really taken off. 284, 365, 510 with five of those 10 homers for Urias. So he's really exploded here in the last month. Yeah, he, he's gotten really aggressive at the plate. Uh, swing percentage and zone swing percentage up uh, quite a bit uh, from from last year. Uh, and I think that is, I mean, this is kind of a, just a different kind of plate approach, right? He's just, uh, he's, he's putting a little bit more loft into the ball. He's getting more aggressive. He's trying to pull the ball. Uh, he, he's going, you know, chick stick the long ball, and that's what gets me paid. Uh, and he's uh, and he's going for it. Like I, I was never super high on on Urias. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a lot of people who really liked him. I was like, I think he's kind of like peak Joe Panic. Oh, that's mean. Well, I mean, but you know, peak Joe Panic was a guy who'd hit fifteen to twenty home runs, steal. He never five hit to fifteen to twenty, did he? Maybe it felt like he did. He no, won he's got he, a couple. He won he World Series. He got a couple tens. Okay, so in there. but yeah, no. that that was you know so yeah maybe like fifteen home runs, um and but with like a good average you know Panic had those uh, seasons you know with like two eighty eight three hundred yeah. no yeah um, Panic hit for average for sure and and steal like a handful of bases like he was going to be one of those guys that's oh like it's a really nice like kind of end of your roster. Uh, accumulator type dude, but never anything special. Sure. This change is nice from, uh, you know, a little bit of a power perspective because I think he can get to 20 plus home runs now. The question is, you know, I wish he didn't have to trade off the average for it. Um, True. Because I wonder if he can, if he can bring that back. I mean, you know, he's not striking out a ton. 23 percent's fine. And 293 Babip, that's kind of around his career. So there's not like uh, some expected surge there. I wonder if there's a little bit more, though, as he kind of continues. I mean, he's 24. Luis Arias is just yeah, 24. Yeah, there's so. plenty of time for him. And it's a great part to hit in. 
He's um, been hitting first or second, too. He was hitting first while uh, Colton Wong was out. And I don't know how much longer. I think Colton Wong's day-to-day right now. Yeah. And uh, he bumped to first there. But he bats second otherwise. And I know that lineup has not been great this year. It's been underwhelming. But you still like him batting second there behind Wong and ahead of Yelich. Because uh, he's, I mean, I personally still expect Yelich to to be all right, and uh, I, I want somebody like that hitting second there. He's not really available uh, in in NFBC style leagues. Is Urias somebody you'd look at in a ten if there's a uh, middle and corner on the roster? Because I know a lot of yeah, tens I think so. don't do MI and CI, but if they do, is Urias uh, on your radar now? I mean, since they moved him to batting first or second, that, that happened on June third. He's hitting 283. He's got four home runs and a stolen base, but he has 22 runs scored. Hey, we love that. In less than a month. We love that. I mean, that is so insanely valuable, especially with the triple eligibility. Yeah, he should be he, he should be rostered in all formats. I think so. I think the way he's playing this month, at least right now on this heater, in a 10-teamer, you know, you can ride heaters and then move on. Um that's something that you can always do. So ride this wave, and then uh, if he happens to fall off, then you can get rid of Luis Arias. But he's been playing great, and uh, I, I like seeing it. 24 years old, definitely still some upside there. You know who is really surprising me this year is Tommy Pham. My man has been out here. And I got to be honest, I kind of left him for dead. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't considering him. Seems like he's always dealing with seven nagging injuries, but plays through them. And, you know, I don't doubt the production like it's it's been there, especially from 17 to 19. He was a consistent like 2020 type. He only had 15 steals in in 2018, but 25 and 17 and 19. So it it averages out to 2020 over those three seasons. Rough year last year, only played half of it. I feel like you can give him a pass. But the reason I didn't give him a full pass is because of his injury history and the fact that he was 33. So that's why I was like, yeah, like, sure, he, he you can give him some some leeway on last year, but how much do you really want to? And like I said, I didn't draft him. I wasn't really considering him. And Tommy Pham is out here dominating. He has nine homers, 12 steals, 264, 386, 430 for his line, uh, 42 runs, and 27 ribbies. Pham's been awesome. Uh, so I guess – where, what was your take on him coming into the year, and how do you stand now that he's killing it? By the way, I want to also add, at different points this year, he was very cuttable mm-hmm. because he was toting a Early in the season. Uh, all the way through May, I would say. he had a On May 26th, he had a 198 average. He had a 179 in the first month of the season. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, And it didn't get much better until very late May. And then he went on a run here. You can kind of see it there on May 26th. He starts a run of four straight multi-hit games, and that's been his jump off. Since then, Pham has seven homers and seven steals uh, with a 348, 445, 600. So even in this year, like I'll be honest, I was probably patting myself on the back mentally looking at his numbers at any point through Mm -hmm. mid-May. Like, yeah, I knew not to go for him. Confirmation bias, (laughs) dipshit. Um, And and now you look and he's absolutely dominating. And that's why, even though I push back on things like don't call a slow start or fast start after 25 games, I'm doing it myself in my head here about Tommy Pham. But he's been awesome. Did you like him coming into the year? And do you believe in in this run that we're seeing? I mean... I uh, 
I, I've always liked Tommy Pham. I've always been a big Tommy Pham guy. The problem was I was really worried after he got stabbed uh, in the in the off season, and then they the the Padres started adding players left and right, mm-hmm. and so that to me was like, oh, maybe he is not okay, like they keep saying he is. Yeah. You know, because they, yeah, they kept backfilling for guys who could yeah, play the outfield. They signed Kim. They signed Profar. They brought Profar back. Yep. Yeah. Like they, they had they, Cronenworth already who could play mm-hmm. the outfield. So they just had backfields for days. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, like, why would you keep adding to this team if he's okay? Um, and fair. so I became, uh, I, I kind of just avoided him. Uh, now I picked him up in a few leagues in season. You know, once nice. I saw that he was healthy, uh, I picked him up in a few twelves where he had been dropped. Um, and so, I mean, I love what I've seen so far, or so far this month, really. Uh, I mean, he's been he's been really good in the month of June, like you said, since like May twenty sixth. I think you said, mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, I mean, there's no reason to think he can't continue doing you know similar kind of work, hitting two sixty, two seventy, rest of the way with you know, power and speed as long as he's healthy. Health has always been the issue for fam, but I, I'm totally exactly. buying this. Yeah. As far as skills, like I, I think it's totally fine to be like, Hey, I believe in what we're seeing here. It's just a matter of, are you going to get the rug pulled out from you health wise? And that's, mm-hmm. that remains a fear, but I don't think you can live like, there's nothing you can really do about that fear. Like unless you're, unless you're in a trade league and you want to maybe try to sell high, that's about the only thing you can do, but nobody's going to give you a mint no. for him. And I mean, they might trade is, for him. He is insanely hot right now. Like you just his hard hit percentage, uh, you know, via Statcast in this uh, stretch you were talking about since May twenty six yeah. is fifty six percent. He's got a thirteen percent barrel rate, a max exit velocity of one eleven. He's just crapping on the ball. Dude. I mean, he's he's. You know, 86 zone contact percentage is, you know, just above league average, not swing outside the zone at all. 20% zone or O swing. Uh, you know, it's just like he's doing everything you want him to do, uh, at the plate and then stealing bases when he gets on base. Uh, you know, six stolen bases in the month of June. So like, like, yeah, I mean, they're going to be someone's like, well, I should sell high on it. Like no one buys high on a guy like Tommy Pham. You yeah, just and roll like, with it. That's the thing. They're just not going to gonna pay a mint for him. No, um, I would I, buy on Tommy Pham. So you'd buy high because yeah. you think that it's not going to cost... It's not going to cost amount. what it would for a different player who is doing this. I mean, he's 33 with a plethora of injury history. No that's one's going to ask you to like give up the farm on Tommy Pham. Yeah, I think it could be like a one for one, uh, you know, de- depending on what position they need of a similar type of guy, mm-hmm. you know, that that's like got some issues, got some warts, maybe playing well. And then you see what's what with with, with that person. So I think you could go out and, and see see what the price is, at least knock on some doors, because uh, I do think that Tommy Pham is gettable. And if you're comfortable with the risk, because, again, that that injury risk is ever present. Um, that's the only thing I would I would just caution anybody that wants to go get them. You're still taking on a big risk, but that should hopefully be built into the price, and that way you don't end up paying too much for Tommy Pham. Mm-hmm. Trey Turner goes fifth overall. 
Oh, they they did you dirty there. It's okay. Aaron I'm gonna Nolan. either get Degrom or Mookie Betts. I think that's pretty fair. Let's put uh, Aaron Nolan focus because his ERA is now up to 4.44 with a 1.23 WHIP. Strikeouts are still there. Walks are still good. The hell's going on? He's kind of got this every other one pattern right now too, where uh, he's getting hit up. Uh, I mean, this is over the course of his last five starts. It was, you know, pretty mediocre against Atlanta. Excellent against the Yankees. Destroyed by the Giants. Five and a third shutout against the Mets. Destroyed by the Marlins. So this kind of up-down pattern here has been frustrating. Is there worry for Nola with uh, basically three bad starts in his last five that has pushed his ERA up? Or is it just kind of uh, kind of a blip? Now, now I will say... Coming into that run, he had a 384 ERA, so it was already a little bit elevated, but now it's all the way up to 444. So have you kept an eye on Nola this year, and what what do you see with uh, what's going on with him? Yeah, I mean, I've watched him uh, a fair amount. He's on a number of my teams. Uh, I was kind of a big fan of his coming forward. I'm not super worried. Uh, I, I do think he's living in the zone a little bit too much. Uh, you know, his, his own percentage this year is up. Uh, in, six percent uh from where it was last year and kind of going back to where it was previous to 2019 uh but i mean the sierra the xfit like they're fine like they're 3.27 sierra Mm -hmm. you know is uh you know he's getting plenty of strikeouts 29 percent strikeout rate uh you know velocity seems okay movement on pitches seems okay like i think that a little bit of it is, uh, you know, just living in the zone a little bit too much and maybe not commanding his pitches in the zone quite as sharply as he normally would. It's been some just blow-up outings. Uh, yeah. And that, I mean, that's uh, unfortunate, but I think sometimes that's going to happen, especially as guys are figuring out how to pitch without the sticky stuff. There are going to be times where they just can't command things well within the zone, and that just leaves you more susceptible to home runs. It, it really does, and I think that's that's kind of where we're at with Nola. Again, I didn't put him in like hold or fold any or anything like that because you're not cutting mm-hmm. him. But he's allowed two homers in each of those three blowups, so you're kind of keyed right in on that. And then, of course, goes homer free when he's shutting out both New York teams. I mean, he went run free, so that's obvious there. But he's also the had the twelve and eleven strikeouts in these last two starts. So, like, yeah. even when he gets blown up. He's still delivering something for you. And he had, he had seven Ks in the Atlanta one. The only one where he was like really just nothing good for you for Nola was at San Francisco, mm-hmm. which has become like if you're just blindly starting teams, players against San Francisco, you're wrong. I'm not saying I'm not saying I would have sat Nola, by the way. I, yeah, I'm not because I wouldn't have no way. But I'm talking with like middle and lower tier pitchers. Do not do that. Even in San Francisco, you have to be very, very careful. And I think some people might they, still be blindly going ahead and say, oh, it's in San Francisco. I'm good. They uh-uh. are second in the majors in home runs. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, dude. It's, I mean, this, like, I, I mean, there are times even, like, as a Giants fan where I'm going, yeah, this team's not that good. But they're producing. At some point, like, you have to look at the results and go, like, maybe on paper it doesn't make sense, but I mean, if you look at all three of the Giants World Series, nothing on paper made sense as they they being like the best team in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have been um, this year. And I, I there's no reason to think that they can't continue 
some level of this as well. So, yeah, I mean, they're definitely not a team you want to play around with. And I'm no. on the clock. Oh, snap. Which one did you get, DeGrom or Betts? I'm getting DeGrom. All right, well, while you get to Grom, let's talk about a pitcher who's better than him, Adam Wainwright. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Wainwright has been excellent. Uh, we're putting him in focus because he's been very, very good. 359 ERA, 112 whip. Um, he was pretty good last year, too. 315 ERA, 1057, uh, excuse me, 1005 whip, 1005, 105, I'm a moron. A 1005 whip would be bad. 105 whip and 65 and two-thirds. So if you look now, we've got... You know, 158 innings of high-quality work out of Wayno since the start of 2020. Um, you know, usually kind of a streamer type, but he's really played himself into, at the very least, team streamer, where you're just putting him on your bench. I know he has a trip to Colorado this weekend uh, that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people wanted to avoid. But he's he's taken on all comers right now, and, and he's been great. He's got a couple, you know, bad – his very first start of the year, six earned on two, two and two-thirds against Cincy. That probably put him back on waiver wires in the leagues he was drafted. But since then, if even if you include the uh, Mets and Padres getting to him in May, he's got a 310 ERA there in 90 innings, just lopping off that first start. So it's been a lot of good for Wayno. Are you believing in the 39-year-old uh, stud? <laughs> um, I am. Are up too, you know, like I'm saying, everything is there. So that's why I am kind of calling the, him a, a semi-stud at least. The Ks I don't necessarily believe. Yeah, because there, um, there's there's actually a, a corresponding swing and strike rate drop, yeah, not even a almost three percent drop in swing and strike rate, almost three percent drop in O swing. Uh, he's he's giving up ninety one and a half percent zone contact this year. Yikes! Uh, that being said, what he's doing is relying on his defense. Yes, he is exactly. And that defense got improved with Arenado. Uh, and now Bader's coming back. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does. For, for the outfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah but he's I only he given up 29% fly balls. Yeah. No, he, he's got he an almost 50% ground ball rate. He's, he is pitching the contact and going, listen, I'm not going to necessarily beat you with my stuff a lot of the time. But I trust my guys behind me. And I'm going to pitch the contact and let them do the work. And it's working. Um, yeah, it is. Goldie Edmund, DeYoung, Arenado, that's that's a quartet that picks it, man. Yeah, and uh, I think that is, uh, it's a very sustainable uh, outcome. Maybe the whip goes up a little bit at some point, uh, but, you know, because he's got a 1.12 whip right now. Mm -hmm. But I think he can pull off a mid to high threes ERA with like a 120 whip and... Yeah, like probably uh, a twenty to twenty-two percent strikeout rate rest of the way. That would that would play. That would I, play. I, mean, I think he's an all formats team streamer. He's, he's got to be. Yep, that's exactly where I'm at with Adam Wainwright. All formats team streamer. Do not put him back on the wire. If you're sitting out Coors, obviously I totally get that. But at all other leagues, like he got cut in in our in our league together. Man, there's been some interesting cuts in that Colin Weatherlax league. Uh, people just get put on the wire that I'm just like, why? But yeah, Wayno's out there this week. Maybe somebody said, I, I can't do this. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was you. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was too. <laughs> I was waiting for you to stop That's why talking. you were quiet. Yeah. No, it, it was me. I, I, you know what? I went by the name value and I just well, moved on after getting a, a good two start from him. Well, and he, like I said, he had Colorado coming up. 
that is a 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, you picked up some, you're, you're searching for safe. So you got Robles and Alvarado. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, if, if he does Kind of a well, mistake by me though. I, if he holds his own in Coors, that price is going to be expensive this weekend. I mean, even if he doesn't, I think he's going to be attractive for folks. But if he happens to like fi- figure out how to last five or six innings with uh, say three or fewer runs, I, I think his price will be big. What, how's your starting pitching looking? And my whole team sucks. Uh, I mean, uh, so you got guys like uh, no, my starting like, pitching's like good in that I'm league. Teasing. I've got Woodruff, Kyle Gibson, Pablo Lopez. It's Maeda's killing me. Paddock's killing me a little bit, and then Pivetta well, got thrown up this week. Hey, let's let's do this. Let's uh, let's change the rundown a little bit, move into hold or fold, and talk about Kenta Maeda, and. Ask the question, maybe should you have cut him? I know that sounds insane based on where they were drafted this year and the fact that Wainwright is 400 years old. But if you went back and did it, do you think maybe you should have cut Maeda instead? He's got a 556 ERA, 155 whip. The Ks are way down. The walks are way up. The homers are through the roof. Nothing good is going on right now. His spin rates are down with uh, no sticky stuff too. So that's not, you know, that's probably hurting him from getting back on track. But he's he was bad before that. Would you maybe have cut Maeda instead now if you if you thought about it longer? No, because, I mean, I listened to a podcast on June 17th where the illustrious Paul Sporer told me I should be holding on to him and keeping him because he's going to turn it around. And I believed Paul Sporer. Yeah, you shouldn't have. I, God. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was saying hold. I'm, I've been telling a lot of people to hold because I've been holding myself. And, you know... Right before that, he had come back from the IL and had a pretty good four-inning start against the Mariners. And then shortly after that pod, he did pretty well against Texas. But he got blasted again by the White Sox, erasing any good from that. It's just every time he gets going, there's something around the corner for Maeda that's going to sink him. Mm -hmm. Beginning of May, back-to-back good starts against Texas and the White Sox. The White Sox one was a little bumpy, but if you watched it, you saw that he got in some trouble, got out of it, and settled down. But then Oakland ripped him in four innings and then a modest outing against Cleveland. It's like one step forward, two steps back type of deal, or even two steps forward, one step back. Uh, so it's like incremental progress. I'm not sure I would have cut him in a 12 either, even for Wayno who's pitching. Well, I just, ha- I just figured it was an easy uh, transition into hold or fold. Is there any format where you're cutting Maeda? What about tens? I think he is cuttable. Um, which is a bummer. Uh, yeah, I, I think in ten and twelves you can you can consider it. I, I mean, it kind of depends on what's on your waiver wire, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's a must start guy. So at best, he's a he's a team streamer. I'm gonna be working on my ranks here before I go and while I'm on vacation mm-hmm. uh, here in, uh, in the next few weeks. Um, but he's gonna he's gonna drop probably out of my top thirty five, top forty. Ah. Uh, I think he has to. Oh, let me see where I have him. My SP ranks were updated on the 23rd of June. I have made a 50th. You have him in 50th? Yeah. That sounds about right. I mean, because at this point, we're pretty much going, he's been good at some point. That's why we believe he will be good. And like that's just bad logic. Uh, sort of. I, I don't know that that's like track records matter and you have to look at what a guy's doing though and, and still be mindful. I, I think if you just wave your hand and say track record, shut up, don't talk to me, 
then that is bad. Yeah. But if you lean on somebody who's been good for their entire career as a reason to at least hang on to them because you believe they can get back there, like mm-hmm. there's there's some inkling of Maeda's skills still here. Even even though it's down big from last year, his 13% swinging strike rate is in line with his career mark. That's like that's still very good. He should be getting better than a 21% strikeout his rate based whip, off of that. His whip this year is almost as large as if you added his 2019 to his 2020 whip. <laughs> That's insane. 107 and .75 his last two whips, and he's at 155 this year. That's wild. Like, he is just hittable. Like, that's... Yeah. He just... I mean, and, you know, he is struggling in the zone. His pitches don't have the same movement on him right now. Like, you have to wonder if he's if he's still hurt, you know, the, the velocity is down. Uh, like I, I, I think at some point you gotta go. I, I, I don't think he, he is definitely not the Kenta Maeda we saw last year. No, 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 for sure. I think at best you can try to see Dodgers Maeda. If you're like really trying to be uh, excited about him. But like I said, I think there are, I agree with you. There are some 10 teamers where he could be cut, uh, depending on who you're picking up. And I think he's got to be a team streamer right now where you're, you can't just blindly start my eight. I think you got to be smarter and pick your spots here. Uh, hopefully some people avoided that White Sox start. That would I would not have blamed anybody for sitting, sitting him there. I know I have the answer key now that mm-hmm. he gave up seven, but I, I can say in my, in my heart that I would have said that before just because he's been so rough and the White Sox are very good, particularly at home, you want to be careful with. So not cutting him in many leagues right now, but the right 10 teamers, I definitely am with Maeda. Yeah. Let's talk holder fold with Jorge Soler. He's been a nightmare, dude. 186, 283, 318. That's the key right there. The power isn't even there. At least if you're going to go, you know, Joey Gallo, Miguel Sano type, where your uh, where your batting average is brutal, give me the homers. Mm-hmm. But he's not even he has six homers. I, I mean, I'm not going to belabor this because I think this one's easy. But let me know what you think. Hold or fold on Miguel or on uh, excuse me on Jorge Soler. <laughs> Miguel Sano, that's uh... I, I was looking up his numbers because I wanted to say like he has a 195 average, but he has a 435 slug and 14 homers. So Sano has been markedly better the reason i said it was because i was typing his name at that time but yeah with solaire he has six homers that's eight fewer i'm still holding in what formats uh 15s no i don't know man i don't know i think i would only hold him in only. it's hard to put a big power bat on the on the wire like that but he wasn't very good last year either don't forget 228, yeah. 326, 443. So now you add it up, and it's 459 plate appearances of a 665 OPS with 14 homers, which paces to a full season of 20. But I don't have a problem if people want to drop them. I don't. Like, if you're done uh, with this, then I, I totally get it. I He's still making, like, 81% zone contact. Uh, he's still got power in that, a ton of power in that bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really is there any hope recently? Is he, is he doing anything of late? I'm I'm looking right no, now. No, not really. <laughs> no. I mean, May was especially bad. He had a 474 OPS, and he's been in the 670s in April and June, which 
I'm not saying that that's great. Like, oh, 670s, he's been killing. But um, it's not as dreadful. You mentioned the zone contact there. I mean, the the, the tough he's part. He's the ball you, on the ground. I, I think that's the, he's not getting his lift. The tough part on a guy like that, if you cut him, is he. He'll go on a seven home run tear in saying, a week. Yeah. Guys like this turn around that quickly. But can you wait for that? that now, aren't you, can't, you using you can't. the same logic? Of the Maeda thing at that point, uh, yeah, though, uh, no, the underlying stuff is a little bit better on. No, uh, he's. I mean, he's got like a forty-eight point uh, eight or forty-eight point five percent hard hit percentage. Still okay. barreling the ball ten percent of the time. What's the uh, what's that in reference? Like, get, what are his recent barrel rates? Uh, I mean, in twenty nineteen, we had the big season. It was forty-nine point three hard hit percentage, a sixteen percent barrel rate. So the okay, barrel so. percentage has definitely come down, but he's still hitting the ball hard. Uh, and then last year was a 19% barrel rate, I see, and 50% yeah, hard mean, hit. I like. I feel like this has to turn around at some point. He can't be on your active roster. Like he has to just okay. Be, so you, you he has to be fully a reserve. Him. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, but in a 15, I, just, I I'm not dropping him to the waiver because what are you picking up in a 15? Probably nobody with that kind of power upside. I think that's that's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're gonna go pick up Patrick Wisdom or like, like nah, I, I, mean, I, I, and I, I don't blame anybody stuff. that does. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, thr- like if that's what you want to go do, then yeah, like that's uh that's fine. But like, like would you rather have Jorge Soler or Heimer Candelario? Hmm. I probably I probably go Solaire. He he's still rostered in a hundred percent. Yeah. Of um. Main what about events. what about Jorge Solaire or Jesus Sanchez? That one I might take the upside of Sanchez. Yeah, I Actually, I, I think you can make. Yeah. The, I I I think that one is, uh, uh, pretty close for me. Would you rather have Jorge Solaire or? A guy you and I texted about last night in Ian Happ, who's been atrocious as well. Oh my god! These are all people who are available in one of my main events right now. That's that's pretty wild because yeah, the best guy I have from like a homer standpoint, or the most homers in the last couple of weeks, is Ryan O'Hearn. But as far as Ian Happ, dude, yeah, I can't find one reason to be excited. And you and I were like, we were huge, huge yeah. fans of this guy. Remember the victory you know? lap we took on opening day when he. When he jacked out the first pitch of the, the season on 2019. The absolute most dildonic victory lap ever <laughs> based on not even a game, but a pitch. We had like, one we pitch. It, dude. We freaking knew it. What did you know, idiots? What did you idiots know? <laughs> Nothing. Um, and that's the thing. Like He's another guy, though, that you leave for dead, and then he turns around, you look yeah. up, and he's like at a 115. Well, yeah, for, I'm for sure looking at him at, on the waiver wire of my main right now going, I can dream on it, right? Like I can yeah. at least. Oh no, sorry. This is this is our OC. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, as far as Hap goes, I think I I'm would. Still... I would take him over Solaire. I think. Um, I gotta look at. There's there's one deciding factor for me, and I have to actually go over to Hap's page and look and see where he's hitting in the lineup. Because oh, he's bouncing between six. Second and ninth. So not very good. I mean, no. the second is great, but the six and nine, not so nice. I probably lean Hap because there is a speed component there too. 
ostensibly, but he's one for his last five dating back to 2020, and he was only two for two in 58 games back in 19. So I actually think that yeah, we should not, peel yeah. back on that. He's just four for his last eight dating back to 2019 in 183 games. Like it's more of a speed component. Like you can get you could get three steals the rest of the way, which is more than Solaire's probably gonna do. They're very close. Um, I'm gonna go Solaire here. I mean, Hap's issues are similar, but he doesn't have like some of the underlying stuff yeah. that makes Solaire intriguing. I mean, his hard hit percentage is under thirty percent. Now you're bringing me along. I'm switching yeah. too. We got we got to abandon our boy. His zone uh, so contact Laird, is under eighty percent. Solaire, I think. I think based on some of these underlying numbers, you've convinced me that Solaire might be an interesting buy low. I think he is in mm. deeper formats. Yeah, because like that, I don't see enough to be that. Oh, you know what? I just noticed nine percent homer to fly ball. That's insane. There's no yeah. shot that that lasts for Solaire. That's that's way too low. And it's not like his you know his fly ball rate is still where it normally is. Too yeah no. I, You've one eighty me on Solaire. I'm I'm in. I'm holding. I'm only reserving still. I'm not putting him in my lineup. I'm still with you on that. But uh, I might even go buy in some deeper leagues that have trades too. How is this possible? What do you think? Uh, Haps Homer to fly ball rate is. Mm, you're asking me, so it's probably not something like normal. I wonder if it's like really high, weirdly, or low. I'm gonna say that it's. That is also low, like like nine percent. It's twenty and a half. Which uh, I, that's got to be in line. Like that can't be too far off what he normally. Yeah, does. no. They, I mean, but I just his his career is twenty three. I'm just surprised it's even that high considering yeah, how no, much he struggled. I I figured you were saying like that. It's weird that it's that high, and yet he's still. You know, he's also he's not putting the ball in the air as much. Yeah, he's no. on the ground a lot too. You yeah, know, you mentioned that, that's part of the problem, and it's weak on the ground. Like it's not. And that's why he's hitting 183. Uh, See, so Solaire's ground balls have come from his line drive rate. His mm-hmm. fly ball rate is still there at 43%. Haps have come out of his fly ball rate these last two years with these ground balls. He's at a 50% ground ball rate, 32% fly ball rate. So even though his homer to fly is still there for Hap, it's uh, it, it's not generating ma- many results. Yeah, I'm going Solaire. You, uh, you convinced me, and I also think that uh, Solaire has some buy low appeal now. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk holder full with Robbie Grossman. There was a point where he was like one of the hottest things going, looking like a great power speed combo. He still has 10 homers and nine steals on the season. So on the surface, people are looking at it and they're looking at those composite numbers and they're saying, no way would I cut this guy. But if you take a deeper look, you'll notice that over his last 32 games, he's hitting 171, Ooh. 266, 317, five homers and two steals. That's a 26-11 pace. So like his production from those categories is still there, but everything else is so bad that I do have to wonder if, if you're considering cutting him or do you see the 200 BABIP in that period of time and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to hang. I, I, I'm curious what you think about Robbie Grossman as a potential cut. Yeah, I mean, I think part of this is not is just being unlucky. Um, I'm not super worried about it. It doesn't appear the Tigers are either because they've been letting him either lead off or hit third mm-hmm. uh, throughout the course. I mean, he's still uh, they don't have anybody else. Yeah, that that is very true. I mean, but Akil Badu, 
Akil Badu is well, amazing. Um, Badu should be starting all the time. He's he's mm-hmm. actually moved up to the one spot though. He's playing yeah. a lot more often. Um, he's he's platooning with Cameron though. Yeah, I'm not I'm not super worried about Grossman. I mean, worst case scenario, you got him outside of the top 300 picks more than likely, and he's already stolen you what nine bases. Yeah, with uh, ten homers. Yeah, I mean, like he's already returned a lot of the value you thought you were going to get from him. Uh, and I think he, you know, I mean, he's still going to walk at a double digit rate. The average is what it is. Um, well, the, only, the one concern with this, with this recent run too of the, the 30, 32 games is a 29% strikeout rate. And that's a little uncharacteristic. He's not, not, not a little, it's a lot uncharacteristic. In fact, his 25% rate is the highest we've seen since 2016 for Grossman. He still has his walks. And here's one thing though. The swing strike rate is not egregiously higher. Uh, it's at 8%. It was at 7% last year, 6% the year before. I don't think that that kind of jump should foster such a big spike in strikeout rate. So you could reasonably expect it to smooth yeah. out over the rest of the year and get that average to at least, you know, give me your give me your career mark, 240, you know, something like that. Uh, and, and you're looking, I can live with. I mean, inside, or I mean, you look just inside of June, his O swing percentage is 18%. His own contact percentage is league average. Like, like the fact that he's striking out this much is is an aberration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, last one, Andrew Heaney, and we got we got to make it quick because we're about to do Ooh, our. We should uh, just wrap, wrap it up. Let's nope, just, nope. We, we, can, we got enough time for this. We oh. can fit this in for our watch, before our watch party of uh, Kikuchi and Ryu. No, let's let's not. I'm sorry to do it to you, man, but it's been brutal. His ERA is now up to 540 with a 134 whip. Andrew Heaney, I mean, he he loves whips on people too because before these last two duds, one of them against San Francisco um, and the Yankees, he he was rolling. Uh, yep. He had he had you know four good starts in a row that you were feeling like okay. And the funny thing is, even against the Giants, when he gave up five runs in six innings, he had 10 strikeouts and no walks. But then the Yankees clobbered him in Yankee Stadium, seven earned on five hits and four walks, four strikeouts. Homers, whenever whenever he struggles, it's homers, man. I mean, he has he has three outings with three homers, another with two, and that's his issue, and that's the quickest way to destroy an ERA. So... I got to ask, hold or fold with your boy, Andrew Heaney. We're focused more on like 10s and 12s because 15, it's hard to cut many guys who have, you know, a, a pretty firm pulse. But uh, we can talk about 15 in a minute. But 10 and 12, you cutting Heaney? I cut him in a 12 recently. Now, okay. for context, this is a three-sport league where mm, Heaney was by far my worst pitcher. Uh, and now my worst pitcher is Charlie Morton. Oh wow! So, so like my team oh, yeah, that, is stacked. I'm um, familiar with that with that staff and the devastation that you, you yeah. put together. I will also point like, out, you yeah. Darvish is my number five in that league. Like, so. He has Baltimore this weekend and then Seattle next uh, weekend. Uh, they're six man. Yeah, I'm starting them for both of those. I, I I in as many leagues as humanly possible, I benched him against San Francisco and I benched him against New York. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. Again, if you're taking those shots, like you're either in a real desperate situation or with all due respect, you're making a bad decision. Like mm-hmm. you should not have been playing him against those two teams, especially going to New York. But I don't, like I said, I don't want any part of San Francisco these days, home or road. And well, especially clobber. lefties, they clobber lefties. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I, I was not uh, I was not starting him against either team. Both of these blow ups, five home runs last two starts, all both come after the twenty first, and so that's a bit concerning. I haven't checked his RPMs. I need to go and do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, wait, what's the twenty first? Yeah, the the substance. Yeah, thing. yeah, the enforcement um, of of and he had sticky stuff. No homers in the three starts before that. Yeah, and he he had gone since May twelfth without giving up a multi homer game, which is huge because that's 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 kind of his bugaboo over his entire career for Heaney is that the yeah. multi homer game gets him. I do think this is a blip in the radar. Like, okay, you know, like I don't think he's. Um, I don't think like he's droppable in 15s. I think if you, you know, depending on what's available um, on your waiver wire in 10s and 12s, I think you you might want to just make him a team streamer. Uh, but uh, I mean, he's not available in any of my NFBCs. I, so even in the 12s, he's not really yeah. getting cut. Yeah, no, I'm, he might get cut this week. But if he does, I'll be picking him up. Especially if he gets beat up by Baltimore this weekend, he mm-hmm. will be cut on Sunday. Yeah, because it'll be fresh in their mind because that start is on Sunday. So yeah. if he gives up five to them with a couple homers, people are gonna be like, "Okay, fine, I'm moving on." But that'll be frustrating because then he'll have a great start against Seattle. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know for sure, but it, you know, you could see it that happening, and then all of a sudden people want to buy him back. So Andrew Heaney, I do think you got to kind of stick it out. Um, cause in most leagues, there's not going to be anything better. That's the real issue. Yeah. Like, what are you picking up? Right. That's why we always ask that. Like for who? Okay. Uh, Andrew and... Heaney or Adam Wainwright. Wayno. I think you got to go Wayno, right? Yep. Yep. Um, uh, Andrew Heaney or Sammy Long. Ooh, that's an interesting one for sure. I can get to Heaney on that one, I think. I think so, too. Uh, Andrew Heaney or Zach Thompson? I'm, I feel like I'm kind of out on an island in the uh, in the fantasy analyst community on liking Zach Thompson. I know you know he's a little bit old. He's 27 already, but I see some interesting stuff there. I I think I'd go Zach Thompson. I, like He gets Atlanta this week. And I'm nervous about that for yeah, sure. Yeah, I would Atlanta, not be starting him against Atlanta. No, no chance. Even the league where I picked him up, he went right to the bench. But I am, I'm really intrigued by him, and I like everything that the Marlins do with their the, pitchers. Yeah, Marlins so, are a little bit of a pitching factor right now. I think now. I'd go Zach Thompson right now. Um, I'm gonna go Heaney, but I don't, I don't actually blame you for that one. Uh, it's same. I, I also don't blame you for your, like. I think that's, I think it's very close on that. You found a really good. Either or, as far as I'm concerned, I know some people will say no, it's Heaney all the way. I say, eh, not uh, so much. For me. I mean, 25 strikeouts in 18 innings so far. Yeah, that, that I was surprised he wasn't getting more run this weekend for Thompson, given that he had put up 18 strikeouts in two starts. I think the Braves start. People are people are That's, looking start to start right now. Yeah, I think you're right. People didn't want that Atlanta start. It lowered his price. Kind of use that to my advantage there. I lowered my bids a little bit, thinking that people might do that. And if they outbid me, I say, okay, fine. But I ended up getting him in a couple weeks. So we'll see on Zach Thompson. It's it's close there with uh, with Heaney. Keep an eye on Heaney. Keep an eye on his homers. Uh, I think that's going to wrap us up, though. We got to go Wait, watch Fat Pickup. Fat Pickup. Oh, yeah. Fat Pickup of the week. Wilmer Flores for me. Triple eligible. Doesn't really have the righty lefty split anymore that he did early in his career. Playing on that badass Giants offense. 
I, I think he's worth picking up. He's been above average this year with seven homers and a 759 OPS. I mean, I'm Wilmer Flores as a, as a nice bench tool to have with all that eligibility. Who's yours? Yeah, I'm going with uh, Kyle Mueller. Uh, he's been really, really good, and I think he's locked into this rotation moving forward, uh, mm-hmm. kind of taking over that role that we thought Tucker Davidson uh, was going to be Could have. Yeah. Could have, but he got him. So uh, 32% strike rate, 10% walk rate uh, so far has not given up a home run at the major league level. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to, he's going to run into some homer issues, especially in Atlanta in the summertime. But I think he's got kind of the stuff, uh, especially with that fastball uh, slider combo that uh, he can actually keep this going somewhat. Yeah, there's definitely some swing and miss from our, um, the fact that he hasn't given up a homer is nice because command is his definite uh, you know, watch out for it tool because it, it can be problematic for him. He got a 30 grade command uh, on the 2021 scouting report from our from our prospect folks. So that's something you have to watch out for. By the way, Zach Thompson's command was rated pretty lowly too. So for both those guys, keep a close eye on their command um, because I think Mueller and Thompson are kind of similar. Yeah, and I mean 35% O swing. He has not given up a barrel yet. That's nice. That's so, nice. So even with the walk rate, if he's not allowing homers and he's very difficult to hit, you can take on that walk rate because it won't be too bad. Yeah. And you love the strikeouts and a quality team to back him. So there you go. Wilmer Flores, Kyle Muller. Take a look at them on your waiver wires in 12s and above. 10s kind of toss it. We went with 12 team t- type of guys this week, uh, 12 team and above. So we'll go with that. Justin, let's go watch some baseball. I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.